Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope with the show that we will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are so thankful and excited you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, my brother, pastor, and friend, Eric Moran. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, brother. How about yourself? I am all right. So today on the on the tension, we will be talking about the subject of what is truth, objective and subjective. So I feel like uh, the first thing that we need to do is definitely define some terms and sort of make the natural progression inside of the conversation so that way you know, how this relates to us, how it relates to God, and then how it relates to people that have opposing views to us, you know, and, and, and for the sake of all trying to find the truth, I think, you know, in all the reading and stuff that I've been doing lately, a lot of the people are always just after truth, you know, what is, what is truth and how do, how does it affect our lives? How does it affect our understanding and all those things? And we've seen you know, towards the natural progression through history, and now in our in our point in time inside of re- redemptive history, how there is a uh, an ideology that's been birthed now that's you know this my truth movement or um, interpretation or claim and all these things, and I think it's in direct contradiction to truth not being um the no discourse inside of the conversation of truth i believe it's just a lot of people getting inside of their own little echo chambers and saying well yeah 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 you are right that makes a lot of sense and it kind of justifies and solidifies their position instead of going after going and being willing to have a conversation with someone else who sees it differently for the sake of understanding and knowing what the truth is i mean would you agree with that i would and and because i believe that why don't you believe in the gospel, which is inviting you into a relationship that you didn't deserve and you are reborn or reconnected, reestablished into this right relationship. Truth has to be relational and you're either going to be related unto the world or you're going to be related unto the spirit. And that, that shift has to take place for us to understand how to take these claims, whether it be your own or the person that you're talking to and connect that back to God and others Mm -hmm. as you, at at the cost of yourself, try to enter into where they are with their understanding of truth. And then it reminds you how to approach it in your own heart and mind with what you're doing with truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then it's also connected to loving others for God's name and, and not being as individual inside of what you think truth is right truth has to be revealed and received not mm-hmm. found yeah. and, and expounded on oh, amen i can get on but get before on you that. had the relationship that's all you had right uh so re- never forgetting where you came from always falling in love with where he's taking you mm-hmm. but truth has to be just like anything else inside of the good news that god has done what we don't deserve and we get to be part of it right that bleeds into this as well as the other things we talked about for all sure right. all right Sweet. So I guess we'll start off with the first thing. What is the objective truth? All right. Before we get to objective and subjective, because those are, are going to be important, the uh, definition for truth. Okay. 
Uh, the Greek word for truth is, and I could be saying it wrong, but you probably are. Aletheia is is my best stab at it. But yeah. here's what the literal meaning, which is the importance. Okay. Okay. So in Greek, the word truth literally means to unhide or hide nothing. Hmm. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open, and available for all to see, with nothing being hidden or obscured. The Hebrew word for truth is emeth, which basically means, or that actually means firmness, consistency, and duration. Such a different definition implies an everlasting substance and something that can be relied upon. All right, so those are our, our Greek word and our Hebrew word. Yeah. As we you know go back to the objective truth of the word of God, right, right, right. it was what it was originally written into, and part of the relationship of the believer is for the authority of God to enter into what they meant, not what we mean, and that's going to be instructive for us as we talk to others. Right. Um, holding ourselves just as accountable to what we're sharing with them inside of our own wall. Right. And I was, and I was even talking to my dad about this and I was trying to tell him that the reason that it's important is because there's a huge difference between let me tell you what you should be doing and let us find out what we should be doing. There's a huge difference between those two things. One comes from you taking the position of authority, being the arbiter of truth versus saying, I am just as much underneath the truth as you are, which means we're both accountable to it and not you are accountable to my version of truth or my interpretation of truth is what I should say. Even inside of that, though, if you are trying to lead the other person into a thought process, into a relationship that they're not already aware of, Mm -hmm. um, the onus is on the one presenting it. Right. And and when that takes place, let's see, it's John 10. When, when that takes place, we've got to remember that over in John 10, verse 3, it says, hey, well, 2 and 3, but he who enters the door, and Christ is the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Right. The sheep will hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Okay, mm-hmm. so if what you're saying is being used by the Spirit of God for the Spirit of God, he promises you don't have to come with eloquent speech. You don't have to be able to convince people of anything. Right. All you have to do is be you. Yeah. And then what happens is being revealed by God, even inside of that conversation. And it, and it starts to help you not put all that pressure on you. And it's right. not a performance-based thing. It's yeah, just, yeah. okay, so when that takes place, he says, you are the shepherd of the sheep when you enter the door. Mm-hmm. I have, in a position of pastor, which is shepherd, Right. Had someone look me in my eyes and say, well, that's just because you always get to be the authority. Mm. And that would be. That would that would distress me if I really thought that that was true. Right. But I've spent all week and then years. Yeah. Pursuing voices to challenge me so that when I'm put in the position as a shepherd, I'm sharing something that has molded me before it molds you so that I'm just as confident in what I'm sharing with the authority behind me, mm-hmm. but not in me. Right. I got you. Uh, and that becomes important because then that's what we're trying to train the disciples in that Sunday school classroom or the Wednesday night or, you know, believers getting together in a small group. Yeah. You're trying to encourage and boldly send out right. people to take this position. Yeah. But like you said before, it's in humility as it with a broken heart and to be able right. to get better at it. We have to be bad at it to begin with and figure out, you know, how yep. could I've said that right or wrong or God yeah. talk to me. And it becomes part of a, an ever growing thing in your heart and mind. And the better you get, the more you see people actually 
able to understand the ability to hear something that's different mm-hmm. without the challenge of authority. Cause that's really right. the core of it is who are you to tell me? Right. And, and there's a way to get away from that. And you yeah. know, Jesus used questions and, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it, even just the tempo and, and the way that you look at somebody, yeah. 80% of our, you know, like, language is body. Yeah. Well, the cadence, which you speak, you know, I mean, there's a, you can tell when somebody's coming at it from a, well, I said, you know, there's a huge difference between, Hey, let's look and see what it sees, what it says, right. you know, not what it sees, what it says, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's the demeanor into which it's, it's being presented because it's almost one of them comes at you with an arm extended, basically saying stop in the name of truth. You know, another one that's, that's saying, and I kind of relate it back to it. And it may be wrong and you can correct me if it is, but you know, this is running through my filter of course, as it grows, but it's almost like the truth is the looking unto in the inside of like keep, you know, like knowing that that is the truth and looking to God's God's revealed truth to us and being like the nautical term inside of keep of it as saying, don't rely on your interpretation or understanding of the truth, but rely on what God says is true because he is the objective truth. And the other thing that I was reading inside of mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis was, and it was really good. I never really put the two together, but he was saying that justice is also the keeping of promises. So inside of that, when you look at it with God being inside of Romans, you know, one, two, and three, where God's talking about being the just and the justifier, it means that God's going to keep his promises. So therefore we get to look at that and lean on that, knowing that he's not trying to deceive us or trick us or anything like that. He's doing it to done it to invite us into that relationship to reveal to us who we are and who his character is and how we are supposed to be the reflections of him and living inside of that understanding as a reality. And I just think it's 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 much it's it's way deeper than a lot of people have probably thought about it before, but it's a really interesting thing when you start thinking about it and when you start kind of taking away your own interpretation and saying, does this thing stand on its own without me having to agree with it now and that's and that's for a little bit later on in the conversation, but that's where my thought process naturally led me into this, and even in witnessing to other people, I've heard a lot of that come back to me like that's the counterpoint to me is like well you know i'm an interpreter and i'm like yeah but you're kind of still hinging a lot upon your interpretation saying that that depends on whether it's true or not and i think you're biting off more than you can chew with that and you know, if you can make that stand then go for it but i haven't really heard the best um, defense for it yet but I, we get there by asking questions and having conversations it's nothing against anyone i'm just curious and then it's and it's on my search and on my, while I'm seeking, you know, I mean, I think that's what it boils down to is how it relates to us now, which a lot of stuff, a lot of things that we've been going over and talking about have all led into like what we actually believe depends on how we do now or how we work now or how we do things now. So and a lot of things have come back to that purpose or that line of thinking or that question in general or that statement. And I'm, just thinking a lot of things through so it's it's cool it's fun it's it's exciting and i like having these conversations with you because a lot of people don't like to get into it because they're like this is too advanced <laughs> and it's like well i don't know i guess i i guess i was doing that instead of doing something else <laughs> i don't know as we build out objective truth and subjective truth 
it's going to be both a and that's going to be the the premise of us being able to put it in tension right all right but god is a god of relationship god is a god of community god is a god that says you were never created to be a self you have to deny and put that lie to death that you were always created to know god and know others mm-hmm. and what's separating you from that is your identity and your definition, your truth claim of I and me. Mm-hmm. All right. With that said, everybody is living a story. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that even if you're into subjective truth or whether you're into objective truth, I don't think there's anybody that at the bottom line would disagree that we are relational creatures. Yeah. I won't disagree with that. And I don't think a secular person would. I mean, I don't think so. They, I mean, they are saying I have a relationship that's not sacred, but I have a relationship with my life because that's why it matters to me. And right. that's why I'm arguing this version of truth. is right. It's my truth. But mm-hmm. to have my truth, it's your relationship with the world that you're living in that you're trying to defend. Correct. All right. And then over in the scripture, it says for us in our relationship Mm -hmm. to always be ready to give a defense for what we believe and the word apologetics, but apologia or, you know, either way it's, it's, it's meaning that you should be able to explain why you believe what you believe Mm -hmm. and what makes that real. Right. With us having a story Mm -hmm. and us knowing who and whose we are. Right. The foundation is only one, and is Jesus Christ. Yep. But Jesus Christ is the foundation to the Old Testament, the original Testament, before right. he gets here because he's the fulfillment of the hope looking forward, right. whether to them or us. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives you roots to your story right? all the way back to in the beginning God created. Now, right. that's going to be the difference in the secular and the sacred. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean that's, that's going to be yeah. a splitting point, yeah. and, that, and that's fine. Yeah. But the consistency, what was, what was our definition of truth in the Hebrew? It was firmness, consistency, and duration. Yeah. All right. That's pretty much, yeah. that's in our wheelhouse. Yeah. All right. I'm firm because it's God, not me. Right. I'm pointing outside of myself. So when you're arguing with me, you're not really even arguing with no. me as an individual. No. And that keeps me from individually having to get invested with the emotional side. Correct. Which the other individual, if they're separated from that assurance, from that consistency from that firmness from that duration right then they feel they have to make their point known to you or yeah. you should be comfortable enough that you already settled the point in inside yeah, right. of your understanding yeah so that should keep us calm that should keep us caring that should keep us you know we are to be self-controlled mm-hmm. didn't give us the power the, the spirit of fear he gave right. us the spirit of power mm-hmm. I believe that God is doing this, not me, yeah, amen. of self-control right? because he's shown me why I should have self-control, right. not because I manifested my own self-control because <laughs> right. that's the example that I will openly say, no, I won't hide that from you. I fail all the time, yeah. but he has made a way yep. for me to be okay that I'm not okay. Right. Um, and, and then that's an invitation. It's mm-hmm. not a, at that point you can stop making these definite clashes and right. try to have them be heard. Right. Listen to understand. Yeah. Because your foundation's not going to move. Right. You know, you're going to continue to wrap it back around to this eternal story of God. And then Mm. that's why you fall in love with learning about this eternal story of God. Right. Because as you talk to people, then it's going to be philosophy and psychology of the application of the story for which they find their identity in. Right. And hey, that happens to be my story too. But God told me my name (laughs) through revelation versus me trying to figure it out. Right. 
and then having that fail me mm-hmm. when I fail, I already knew I would. Yeah. But yet I still have assurance and hope because of the plan of God, the gospel, the good news. He's taking care of that. Right. Absolutely. So then I can own and be responsible and accountable for the things that I do do. Right. Because he gets all the credit because before I couldn't, but now I can. But it's because of him. And he loved me through my failures. Right. I loved him because he first loved me. And that love changes. Correct. My approach to truth whatsoever. Right. Because if it's not true, then my life doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and that that's freeing. Once you're in that relationship, but right. before that relationship, you're demanding answers. Yeah, because it matters. And you have a demanding spirit. You, right, don't, right. you don't have a satisfied spirit. You don't, right. you don't have the truth that sets you free. Right. Um, so the truth that sets you free is relational truth. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, in the Greek, it's to not hide anything from a God of revelation. God is not hiding anything. Right. If if anything is hidden, it's willful ignorance right. or it's manipulation and control, right. which nobody, objective, subjective, that breathes air, wants to be manipulated, wants right. to be taken advantage of. Right. Nobody so, likes that. So that's something me and a person that sees a different can agree on. Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're going to point to religion and they're going to point to all the failures that we've done inside right. of our own works. And all I can say is, yes, that's us all day. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And and no matter what, those things have to be looked at honestly in objective truth. So let's mm-hmm. go ahead and define objective truth. Objective truth is something that is objective. It has a, a correspondence with reality. Mm-hmm. Um, objective truth is something that is true for everyone, yeah. whether they agree with it or not. Right. Um, at one time, this was simply called truth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's, it, you know, it, yeah. now that we've moved into subjective, objective is. I put a Bible on the table and it's an object. Right. That objective truth, that truth that's not individually mine, because that's going to be subjective. I'm the subject right. going to the object mm-hmm. to learn. Right. All right. Now, objective truth, the Bible is an object, but the truth that's in it is the truth that I'm applying to my life and relationship. And if you are a professing believer, right. It is what glues us together because the word of God is the objective truth and we're interpreters. Correct. So we have a subjective truth that falls underneath the authority of the sustained objective truth of the word of God. Right. And and that becomes beautifully important. Mm-hmm. And then you have people like, oh, you always beat me up on the Bible. Well, why don't you learn the Bible then? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what you're saying is maybe I'm manipulating. Maybe I've learned how to move language around. Right. And now I'm able to articulate better than you mm-hmm. and and I, I process it a little bit faster right and and you feel like i'm taking that information and packaging it and then you not be able to do anything with it because it's the objective truth of god right um if you don't like it get better at it yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, but it's there and and even if somebody is faster or does best you right you can go back to the word of god yeah independence yep and search mm-hmm. what that person presented that bested you in the conversation right and then in your own timing, learn how to make enough defense for what you believe out right. of the Bible and go back to that individual and say, hey, man, what you said, hey, man or woman, what you said really impacted me. This is the thing I remember. And then you went real fast over here. But I, when, you, when you did that, I see this over here in Ecclesiastes, and I see this over here in First Kings. And, and I, I understand we jumped two covenants, but then when we get to the new covenant, I see this application here. Right. And I promise— I can't promise. I I would hope <laughs> that a person that is objectively moving fast and doing that is uh-huh. enough of a theologian to where that's going to get them way more 
excited yeah. that you have a fellow a fellow believer that'll go to the authority of the word of God and work out their own interpretation with the spirit of God right. to then come back and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost willing to bet they'll slow down. Yeah. Um, because they're trying to present so much at one time to hopefully make you fall in love. Or, I mean, like I said, that's the best case scenario. Maybe they are just religious and yeah. not a believer. Cause there's only two types of people that read the Bible. That's yeah. religious people and believers, right? Religious people have absolutely no love for you. And they prove that they have no love for God. And that's not me. I'm beating you up with the Bible again. That's John over in first John. Right. All right. So when we, when we start to fall in love with certain things and you start to store up these swords of truth inside of your heart, these objective swords of truth Mm -hmm. that I can then say, no, 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 that's not me. And I can point to that objective truth outside of myself, outside of myself. Right. And all you keep saying is, well, I don't see it that way. And I don't feel that way. Right. All right. We understand that subjective truth, Mm -hmm. but, Yours can't be any more right than mine subjectively. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the tiebreaker is yeah. supposed to be objectively. objectively yeah. And then if objective truth corresponds with reality, mm-hmm. it should be able to be pointed to, well, what does that look like in six months? What does that look like in six years? Right. And this is where the youth today underneath this ideology has gotten to where, man, when I was 18 years old, I was never going to die and I was strong. Oh, yeah. 100%. 48 years old, you let me go through a fire, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this with my life, <laughs> you know? But I still love it. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. but, but there's a difference in— You still have the questions, I mean. And I've received so many answers, and I've had, I've had relationship yeah. with God in this world. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at the thirst, the hunger and the thirst of the youth, mm-hmm. it's wisdom. Right. And that's the older people's fault. Right. Always, it can't be the other way around. It, right. It, it, it's the responsibility you grow into when God allows you to have the experience in the life and the years to turn around and say, great, you've got a Google that you can find out the answer to any question that I, I say. Right. But how does that apply to experience? How does that apply when you live it out? I right. feel like this and I feel like that. Okay, great. Let's say you go through with what you're saying. Right. What does that do to your relationship with God? What does that do with your relationship to others? Right. If you say, I don't care how that goes to my relationship with God, okay, that is the bigger issue. Right. Because the truth is, you're going to die. Yeah. You want to know how I know that? There's an obituary section. You want to look at it? (laughs) And anybody in that obituary, if you go to their house and like, he didn't die, I promise you they know that they're missing their loved one. Yeah. And I promise the revelation from the God that loves you is you better wake up because your time is short. Right. And we can sit here and we can play games, but if there's a lion and you say, I don't care, I'm not going to run, I don't think he'll eat me, we'll find out. <laughs> you know, there's a reason he's an apex predator, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. there are ways that you get used to, like you've talked about when Jordan Peterson and you hear him do interviews, that he already knows the three or four ways that you could yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. And he's fully prepared for all four. Yeah. That should be in our Christian walk. That should be our understanding of the objective truth. That should be how we have prepared through our experience and it be real. Right. To where they do hear a heart of for you, not against you. Right. Well, I mean, I think at the same time, too, with with discipleship, like connecting this to discipleship and and with the wisdom and the experience also to the objective truth, you, you run all these things together. And what you have now is a relationship. You have a relationship with others and you have a relationship with God and you come to your questions and you go, well, I read this and I take away this from it and da, 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 da. Someone who's been along further in their journey with God and with others goes, 
through my experience, through the wisdom that God has given me and allowed me to have, that's not going to hold water. And then you'll say, well, I think it will. And then I go, but if I can show you, if we can go look in the Bible that says otherwise, will you come off of that position? And right there, that's the most pivotal part of the conversation because you'll either see people harden their heart and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or you'll see people say, yes. And the whole point of discipleship is to learn. So if you're refusing to do that, then that's where we get into the willful ignorance. Another really fun, uh, interesting fact is that our gener- my generation had the most Google searches of any generation because Google became super popular. But nowadays, people are going to TikTok. They're doing more TikTok searches than they are doing Google searches. And the warning inside of that is, for me, that goes off of my alarm bell is, is like, Google was giving you, um, you know, books, papers, research, study, all these things where people are actually doing, you know, testing these theories. They're not, they're not just saying, well, this is the way that I think about it. But now you're having TikTokers who are young people being referred to more young people who only have one year more of life experience and saying, well, this is the way that I feel. And if anybody tells you any different, just say you don't care. And then they take away from that being discipled. The wisdom is I just shouldn't care. And you stretch that out with the idea that C.S. Lewis brings forward in mere Christianity, talking about anger over the course of 70 years may not look that bad over the course of 70 years, but you stretch that out over eternity, how, how far off, how angry, or how angry could you be? But same concept, just insert whatever you want into there, throw it over in light of eternity, and you're going to have people who are eternally pushing forward. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's all about what I think. And I think, I mean, that's the danger inside of it, and that's where it's become, you've you've removed yourself so far from anything objective that everything is just relative, and it basically boils down to who's better at rock, paper, scissors. Until you get your hands cut off. (laughs) So, I mean, I I, I, I agree with the sentiment. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just saying this. Yeah. the, The difference is it's gone from skepticism I don't, you know, whether it's ignorance and I don't know, but I want to learn. Like you said, there's a learner and he says, yes, I'll look at the history. Um, Or there's the willful ignorance, which is then stupidity or blindness. In other words, you're you're, you're actually willfully saying, no, I don't even care what you show me. I'm still going to do what I want to do. Right. Google enables both of them as a tool Mm -hmm. to research and find their own answer out of who they actually are and whose they actually are. One is going to explain it away. One is going to explain it towards God. And that's secular and sacred. So that, right. that's not, that's that's a no brainer. It's pretty easy. That's oh, objective yeah. truth. You can see it. Yeah. And hear it. Right. Um, when we get to the Google and then we say now kids are more interested in being entertained than even wanting to know the answer. Right. That is the progression of the secular culture that yep. just says it's your best life now. Yep. And listen to whatever garbage is on the te- on the on the music that you can do whatever you want. Yep. But you raise a culture of sheeple that then go into a dictatorship and their truth, Mm -hmm. their objective truth does come down on them because it can't be sustained. You remember the the truth that has firmness and has consistency and has duration is going to be God's truth. Right. You can turn from it, Mm -hmm. but you will face it. Oh, yeah. Now, with how far away we've gone in the short period of time. It's like church attendance. Yeah. All right. There's not as many people coming. Right. But the people that are coming are coming when it's 
not cool to come anymore. So you got the same amount of believers before <laughs> right. you had 280 people that didn't care at all. Right. And now you have the same 280 people that don't come at all. Right. But at least now they can get faced and and feel the cost of not being in the church compared right. to being in the church and having the commonwealth of hearing the message and being able to learn Christianese and right. having some of God's truth to at least teach them how to manipulate it in their own power. Right. Not a set, you know, not a relationship, not salvation. Right. However, what I am saying is it'll sustain itself for a period of time because the truth that is actually in it because of the culture of sacredness that was in their life that is now being removed. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I see the little TikTok windows come by. Yeah. And in my flesh, I want to click on it, but there's nothing edifying there. There's nothing no. that's going to be good there. And if I, once again, I've seen people that that's what they do before they go to sleep is I'm going to, what are you going to be doing? I'll be talking. It's like, who are you talking to? No, I mean, TikToking. And it's that's like, that's an actual saying. Yeah. Well, with old people, I don't know about young kids. You know, that's, I don't know. You know anyway. So I think TikTok is so stupid. They, so I don't they get don't soaked do into it for long periods of time because it's entertaining right. right now we're trading entertainment for knowledge and wisdom yeah absolutely all right so 100 150 years ago now because i'm getting older um the people we used to glorify were scientists and actual like artists that could play an instrument yeah <laughs> like like they actually had a talent that they they had to right hone and, and invest their whole life into this science this art this beauty yeah. Now, and my kids say I'm old because I use Paris Hilton and, and Britney Spears. You could fill it in with whoever it is today, but it's not about talent. It's no. about looks yep. and about lust and about just holding your attention yeah. in your imagination. Yeah. And you've exchanged your instant gratification for a life that had any type of value. And when, when you've done that, mm -hmm. and that's a subjective truth. You're only going to be able to get so far, and then you're going to have to not cast your pearls among swine, and you're right. going to have to understand the, the dogs, which meant the Gentiles, right. those that do not have a sacred relationship, mm -hmm. are by default in a secular relationship, right. and they will turn in anger and attack you because they don't have that consistency. They don't have that assurance. They right. don't have what you have, and if you do... If you do put it in front of them, the scripture says, don't be surprised that it's like putting coals on top of their head while they're already hot, because that's what they were created for, that they do not have, that hopefully you can hold on to, because 80% of the body language is, you could disagree with me without me hating you. You can disagree with me yeah. without it costing me Absolutely. my peace and my joy. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we as believers, like professing believers that are out trying to that are have been sent, we've got to get better at that side of it. Because the only one that loses is us if we lose our, our temper or they see another if they see something else to point to. Right. Well, I mean, I think that that boils down to knowing resting on that promise of the not casting your pearls before the swine and not giving things to the dogs. I mean, that rests on that promise. I mean, that's what God's saying. That's what he's so leaning into that because now it's gone from well i'm going to sit here for another 30 minutes even though i have i know for a fact that you're not going to move a inch or a millimeter from your position i'm going to continue to keep saying it over and over and over again to now i basically just say well you know i hate that you see it that way and i would love to talk to you more about it but with you it just seems like you're not really willing to move anywhere in the conversation and because of that like i've gone with you you know down down the trail that of of your side 
but you're not willing to walk with me down the trail of mine. You just automatically just start dismissing it and saying, well, I don't think that way. I don't think that way. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that you don't think that way because we just got done listening to what you think. I'm trying to give you the other side of the coin, but you have people that, so now in those conversations, I just kind of say that, you know, I really hate that you see it that way. And what rings true in my head is the, I see the condition of other people that was inside of me and I hate that for them. Like I hate that that's where they're at. But at the same time too, I know that God was the one that changed me and moved, moved me from my position. So I know that that's what God has to do for them in their position. And it gives you, it gives you relief and the, and the, the burden kind of comes off your shoulders a little bit more. But even in my, in my studies and in searching and all those things and prayer and stuff like that, over the course of this entire year, I've felt a lot of the burden come off of my shoulders that I had put on there. And the thing about it was what a lot of people don't realize is, and I was telling this to somebody yesterday, I was saying, you don't, we are unaware of how much burden of proof we place upon our own shoulders when we don't really have to. And then when we start answering the questions, you, it sort of comes off. You're like, Oh, I guess I don't have to really like prove that it sort of stands on its own. Looky there. I was sitting there giving it my all this entire time. And you start to realize that you're doing a lot of things thinking you're holding God up, but you should realize that God's the one that holds his church up. God's promises is the one, is the, he's the one who's doing all those things, not not necessarily us. Because the greatest gift is assurance. Yes, absolutely. And the person that's talking to you sees you have no more assurance than they do because you're trying to argue and defend it the same way they're trying to argue and defend it, and they're right. not seeing that assurance. They're not, they're not seeing you. Third time around the track, if, if in other words, if I run to the end of what you're willing to, you know, go into, Present, yeah. you know, the depth of where you're at, and then you just like make three laps of the same thing over and over and over, I'm cl- I'm closing the conversation and moving on. I, I I'd, I'd rather go read a book. I'd rather go do <laughs> something that is going to continue to challenge me to keep going deeper. Right. But that's because of the gift of the relationship that God's given me. Right. When I'm talking to the individual and the Bible that I discipline, you know disciple myself to discipline a certain amount of time every day mm-hmm. so that it, it I get immersed in it to where the very first sermon that Jesus preached is, do you know which one it was? The Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? Well, okay, so the first one he preaches in a synagogue, it comes out of? Uh, uh, is it Deuteronomy? It's Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah, darn it. And Sorry. it's, I'm going to set the captives free, I'm going to, you know, free the oppressed. Yeah. Okay, and he says, you know, in your hearing, you've you've heard this take place, right? But the bottom line, the very first thing Jesus preaches in the synagogue to his people is, "You guys are in bondage." Mm, interesting. So when I'm talking to somebody, they're bound by their insecurity. They're bound by their unassurance. I mean, intellect almost in a sense. And that's where they are and what they have, and it should break your heart in pity, not in argument. Yeah. To where when you read the word mercy in the New Testament, almost, well, 90% of the time when you read the English word mercy, yeah, the word is pity. Yeah. But the English mind doesn't like pity because no. pity means I'm not good enough and I'm an iniquit, which happens to be the truth. But I will take a little bit of mercy. But I'll take some mercy because I'm almost there. A little yeah. mercy. I'm going to be good. Yeah. I'm, I'm 92% good. 8%. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that from you. I'll take a little mercy. Right. But when you use the word pity, it, 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 it rubs against our pride. Oh, yeah. Bad. However, when you're talking to somebody and they are getting upset. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you, it should lead you to pity, mm. not 
coming out of your mouth that you pity them. You know, right. so so if they see your assurance and then they see you care, because that's what pity is going to look like. Right. And you start to soften your attack because mm -hmm. of the condition of which they're responding. Mm -hmm. That 80 percent of body language is going to get their attention way more than any argument and right. way more than any powerful point that it could even be the most beautiful point, but they're not going to hear it because they're emotionally reacting to this conversation. Yeah. It's the posture in which it's presented. And, and the, you get, you get better and better at that. If once again, it is about God and others, because that's what God's going to do to you is right. you're going to get in the car. You're going to be driving and guys like that had nothing to do with me. That had to do with you winning an argument. Yeah. And all you did was crush that individual and they didn't understand it or hear it. So it had nothing to do with them, but big boy, me and you got a 45 minute ride. And let, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I've given you this grace. And then you go and what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go home and pray and read the Bible. No, what you need to do is learn how to control your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's, you know, God becomes very real because you actually want to represent him. It right. honor, shame, culture. Why am I here? Well, you're here to share the message. Right. Then you go to share the message and it's all you. Yeah. Well the thing the thing about it is being an ambassador, it's it is his message. So when you're making it about you, you're going, uh God's like, Yo, big dog, that's a uh, that's my glory you're taking right there. I mean, and then and then you start to realize that it ain't about dude, buddy. You had the conversation with anymore. It's about you and right. God. And now, when you, when that becomes, but that brings it back to the relationship side. So when it when when it does that, and that's the thing that I would challenge a lot of people with is instead of taking your emotions and manifesting them out towards other people and making the whole entire world very aware of how you feel, take that to God, because and make it make it about you and God. Because and then at that point, if you're if you're an ambassador for God, then you're using it for His kingdom. You're not using it for your own glorification or justification or anything like that, because then you're getting off into the conceit side. And I like the way, once again, C.S. Lewis brings us out, and he says that if any person says that they don't have any conceit about them, they're a liar, and they're full of it. They're full of conceit. Everyone is a little conceited. I mean, we all are. I mean, it's just our natural, it's who we are almost on the animal side, because we would will naturally do anything. If you're drowning, I guarantee even if you're trying to end your own life, you will fight for your last breath. Your body will naturally do it because it's instinct. It's natural. It's the animal side of us. Now you got the wheels turning. Well, yes. Untangled Emotions is the name of the book. I, I can't remember the author right now, but that's the name of it. And the, the premise of the book that I remember as you were just sharing is if you take anger, the Bible says you can be angry without having sin. Mm -hmm. And when you find yourself angry, don't go to sleep on it because it'll give the devil a foothold. Right. All right. So there was nothing wrong with the anger. You were created with the emotion of anger, mm -hmm. but it can be used out of the right relationship. So everything wraps back to relationship right. because you're created in the image of a relational God. Right. So when you try to take the authority and take the glory and take the honor and separate from him for yourself, mm -hmm. you're going to end up with all of these emotions, not being underneath the headship, not right. knowing what to do with them. You were given them in right relationship, but that's not your truth. That's not where you find yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. My anger takes control of me. I say things and do things I wish it didn't. And then when I return to quote unquote, my right mind, I failed again, mm -hmm. but I don't have any answers to that. Right. When you think of your emotions, that's worship. 
Right. So what is what is the purpose for anger? What is the reason for which God equipped you for, with anger in right relationship? And this is from the book. This I'm not this smart, but well, it, yeah. you read things like this so that it sticks little you know nuggets in your head. Like I, this. I would say almost anger is almost like a kind of spurs you into a call for action. Almost like this upsets me, so I'll go stand against it. You know, type type deal. That would be my guess. I mean, I don't know. I, right. I haven't read the book. And normally we would move to defend ourselves. We would move to argue our point. Right. We would move to attack. Yeah, what was attacking us? Correct. All right. But instead of moving towards that individual, if you use the anger and right relationship, it would make you move towards God. Yeah. So instead of the movement being out maliciously, it's in, it's inward. it would be inward maliciously. Yeah. And, and God's not scared of you. Yeah. You know, it, God's like, finally, yeah, come on. So you got any examples, Eric? You, you read Job lately? I actually did the All other right. day to my parents. Well, good, because you—, you you come to me, put on your big boy pants. Yeah, because yeah. I, I love his response, because I even said that that was the one thing that stuck out to me the most in Job was, like, he goes through all that stuff, and he does, does a better job than I would have ever done. I'll go ahead and tell you that right there. And then he finally, God answers him, and it's just, I mean, takes him to the verbal woodshed. And he's like, so where were you when I did this? And and do you know anything about this? Or you know anything about the sea? you know anything about the... About the snow, about the rain, about the animals, you know, any of that, you know, any of that big dog? And I was like, oh, golly, I was like, that's not the response that I was thinking was going to happen. But at the same time, too, what did you think you were going to get in, you know, bringing, bringing things, bringing things to God? I mean, if anything, it helps you understand, though, who God is and who you are, though, and that puts us back in right relationship. And that's the invitation that you're going out to invite people into. And right. that's what they need to hear inside of their insecure argument Right, is inviting them into something that has security. And they have to see it as well as hear it. Right. Why don't we have it? Because we don't do Nobody's ever discipled us and taught us to do that. Right. So if you are, if you're in a secular culture uh-huh. and you have these emotions you've been created with yeah and they do the purpose for which they were created because the only thing that doesn't submit is you know the 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 pride of man right when you find yourself as god you have to make the objective world the way you want it to be right you can't receive it for the way that it is right so you're always grinding on the outside mm mm-hmm. While you are an empty, chaotic vacuum on the inside, yep, and then people wonder why you boil on the surface, and it's like, okay, <laughs> that's that's where the meeting place is, right? All right, now the gospel says inside of that chaos there could be order. Inside of that vacuum that takes and takes, there could be a fullness. The person of Christ was the example and then opened up a door that no man could because of the God of love and spirit that's behind it. Right. It's if, beautiful. If we start asking those questions, because the only way you can understand it is to have the relationship without right. salvation, without the changed heart. This is the unequally yoked. This is the, this is why we do what we do with the gospel is right. for us to fall in love with it. You're going to have to fall in love with God. And yeah, arguing is not going to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and once once you fall in love, you're going to go after the truth because right. like you said, it doesn't matter what the person that I was witnessing to does with it. 
when I get in the car, God's going to say, now that had my name all over. He didn't understand what you were saying, but right. I did. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, 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 and here I am. Okay, God, I'm going to meet him with anger like Job. Well, I'll tell you what, God, I'm at, at least I'm out here doing it. I mean, I ain't like so-and-so. And all he's going to do is, okay, I hear your little demanding spirit, but I'm not left alone. Yeah. But if I didn't have, if I was secular, I would have that demanding spirit and I wouldn't even know it because it would just get worse and worse yeah. and worse. And I would have to justify and justify. Right. And then you get to the point where you're lying and you know you're lying and you know the other person's right, but you're not going to admit it because the yeah. one thing you're not going to do is admit you're wrong. Yeah. And that continues, like you're saying, C.S. Lewis, for it eternity. just gets worse. Inside of my heart, when I take that demanding spirit and that anger wears up and I go towards God, all he's going to do <laughs> is be him. And he's going to be like, okay, but yeah. You're breathing air. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Your family's healthy today. Yeah. Turn me around and tell me all of the blessings that he gives me that I don't deserve. Why? Why? Right. Why are you? So you're going to take all of those things. Right. And then turn around and mm -hmm. complain at me because right. you're not willing to come to me. But if you start to learn to take your anger to come to him. Yeah. He's going to start meeting your anger with. Well, that's good. Why don't you do something about that then? Because yeah. you're my hands and feet. You're the one that's there. So if you're complaining to me about the way things are, I have made, what did it say the truth was? Available to everyone. It's all around you. My, my glory is proclaimed yeah. in every cycle, in every person's life, in every scenario. Right. You need to learn how to speak into those scenarios. You need to learn how to take this knowledge that you think you have and make it be able to apply inside of a person's rational understanding of who they are. Right. And it's not their job. They are bound in darkness. Yeah. And they're dying and they're eternally separated unless you learn yeah. how to be better and different than you are right now. I'm not against you, son, but you need to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you start reading books like Inside Out by Larry Crabb and by, you know, being able to connect and, and you're listening to. Jordan Peterson with psychology, and, and and then you go back and you start reading, you know, Nietzsche and, and and philosophy. But the thing is, they were trying to explain God away, and you're going back to try and learn how they tried to do it so that you can put him back where he belongs. Right. Smartest men that ever wrote our philosophy, and it's like you see their game. Yeah. That's God. I mean, that, that, that to be able to do that and still be comfortable in front of some of the smartest minds in the world right. allows you to then be comfortable talking to Joe Snuffy in Subway that, you know, wants to argue. Right. Okay, let them meet you with their unknown emotions, but with your emotions, worship me. Right. Well, I mean, this is, this is and I think it's cool because you're literally talking about the illustration of being light in the darkness you know what you're doing is taking the light of who god is inside of their darkness and then the the darkness comprehended it not so you're you're looking at this and they're like what and it, it it confuses them and frustrates them but see but that's the difference though the difference is, is that you go back to it once again objectively and you say this isn't just based upon i don't i don't, I don't arrive at this just based upon my own interpretation it's it's objective there are other people that i walk with that i talk with that both that see the same thing versus if you get a group of people where truth is relative to them, they will agree on some things, but not everything. And where as believers, you get them together and they'll all be interpreters, read something, take it away from it. And then they would go, yep, yep, yep. Here, what you're saying, here, what you're saying, here, what you're saying, but this is what it's actually, this is what it's really stating. And this is what it's saying. And then everybody kind of goes, 
oh, that relates to this and this way and da 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 da. And there it is again. Now it's standing on its own where we're all underneath it versus over here. It's like, no, it's true because I said it. You're going to run into that in church. You're going to run into that oh, in, well, in, you, because, and I'm, and I'm not even saying in a negative way. I'm saying that if the culture of Sunday school is to look at the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, you're going to walk through it verse by verse. Right. The next question is going to be, so what do y'all think it says? <laughs> And then everybody has interpreters, right. brothers and sisters that love each other. So it's right. not it's not like it's wrong. It's just a small it's one third of the of the pie. Correct. And if that's all you've ever been discipled and encouraged to look into, then right. you get really good at two thirds. You get good at yeah. I'm here because I love God and God loves me or else I wouldn't be here. Right. But when I come, you teach me to look at the scripture and ask myself, mm -hmm. what do I think as an interpreter that means? Without ever like finding out what it means objectively. <laughs> right. Okay. Now let me ask you this. Okay. Objective truth would be truth that's not inside of you. Correct. All right. So it'd be out there. Right. You know, when like I would, the illustration was I put the Bible on the table, me and yep. you are looking at the Bible. You're in you, I'm in me, and mm -hmm. we're looking at the objective truth of yep. God. Gotcha. Okay. That would be. Getting back to, if, I, I mean, hopefully you've been listening long enough that the design of the Trinity, right? Three persons, one God, all equally important to know the person of God, but they have to be in right relationship with without sin. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the that's the perfect design. I mean, just like uh, my brother Mark was talking about marriage, and and a pastor that had said something in front of him that were powerful words for me is. The covenant of the marriage covenant is God's perfect design. Right. It doesn't mean people are going to be able to do it. Oh, yeah. You know, and, totally. and, and if you fail at it, it's still the perfect design. Yeah. You know, absolutely. so, so when, when, when you look at the Trinity, the design, because mm -hmm. I mean, I would definitely pick things apart that people would, we would have to sit down and, and really talk. But if it's just what you think about it, yeah. that's your mind. Right. All right. So that's your psyche. Right. All right. And if you're there because you've been spiritually reborn, then mm -hmm. you're of the spirit. Right. And now you've got your opinion in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then out there is the fleshly world, the material world. Right. All right. So what if I said to the material person that's secular, the spirit is out there? Because hmm. it's not in here. Right. Because that's that I would have to have a relationship with God. So when right. you're talking about this, spirit and kingdom and God language mm -hmm. in a secular culture, that's out there. Yeah. In here, mm -hmm. I have my mind and my body. Right. And the spirit's out there. Right. To the believer, spiritually born in my body as an interpreter. Right. And the flesh is out there. Right. And that is... What do you think that Bible verse says? What do you think that Bible verse says? Well, I think when I go out in the fleshly world, this is how it applies. And that's that's that connected. And, and you, when you look at the cycle of life, you can't skip being 6, 7, and 8 and just get to be 12, 13, 14. Right. All right. So it, it, it's all beautiful. So when, I, when, I, when I'm saying this, it's not anti. It's learn where you are. Mm -hmm. Fall in love with that right. so that you can be lifted into the next thing. But you got to you. You have to grow through this enough to be lifted up. Right. All right. So the answer is you were created. So God's not in time. Right. Yeah. He's eternal, right? Right. right. He's outside of it. But we would define that by past, present, future, three tenses, one time, all yeah. equally important, but they have to be in right relationship because if you lose one, you lose it all. Right. All right. 
what my proposal would be is this. It's all objective and subjective truth. And when you put them in tension properly, mm-hmm. you're outside of that definition. So in other words, objectively, mm-hmm. the word of God is outside of me. Yep. And my spirit, my mind is outside of me right. because I'm just a shell. I'm, I'm just physical. Right. All right, but then if I flip and I say, but no, 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 it's what I think that matters. Right. Well, then my mind is in me, but now my flesh is outside of me and the objective truth is outside of me by definition, objective out here. Okay. I'm the subject, but I'm all mind. Right. Or I'm all body uh-huh. or I'm all spirit. Uh-huh. And God would say, yes, <laughs> you're all three. Yeah. Which is one. Right. And they're equally important. And if you try and make one the subject or the object, you lose it all. So it's all objective and it's all subjective. It's whether or not you've been integrated in them being in right relationship. And that's available to the believer. And that's when you get good at being able to submit your subjective view to the objective truth of reality and be able to enter into someone's conversation to understand because you don't have to validate you. You've been validated. Right. Now that I've been validated, I have to fall in love with being validated, and I don't have to talk you into being validated because you are you. Right. And there's only one God that I'll stand in front of, and there's only one reason I do what I do, and there's only one reason. Now, if I would fall in love with that, through that relationship, I would become a better husband, brother, pastor, firefighter, whatever. But none of those define me. There's only one thing that defines me. Right. And that's the name of God. Right. Now you go back and you track Jesus, and Jesus is saying, listen, if you would know who you are and whose you are, it would naturally flow out of the abundance of your heart. Right. But your mind hasn't gotten connected to your heart to where it's connected to your body. But when your mind, your body, and your spirit, your heart condition come together, well, I could, I could tell you objectively what you think dictates how you see what you hear and what you do mm-hmm. but it swings back the other way spiritually right who i am in god dictates what i see what i hear and then we'll say we'll say christianese words like he gives you spiritual eyes and ears for the first time but we don't actually spend any time in our mind Trying to understand what that means objectively and subjectively. The Word of God just said that you can see with your spirit the same way you can see with your body. Yeah. Both are equally objectively true. Mm -hmm. Now, is that the reality? Hmm. Because if that's not the reality, then your truth is not connecting. Right. So what that looks like is a bunch of people talking about the gospel but not looking like the gospel. Right, okay. Or you have a lot of people that look like the gospel, but when you get around them, they, they're doing it for their own name. Right. Or, I mean, hopefully the, the better option is you do see people coming together inside of a homeostasis, inside of, a, inside of an integration right. through the one door. Mm-hmm. When Jesus Christ was here and were to be Christ-like, right. his mind, his spirit, and his body— what was his body? His body was a living sacrifice, which was his reasonable act of worship so that he could discern the will of God. Right. Paul says you should be the same way. Yep. All right. When you asked him, hey, Jesus, what do you think about judging this? 
Why do you come to ask me? I'm not here to judge. I'm here to seek and save the lost. And I only look and listen for what the Father would have me to do. I mean, it's not like it's like, and then Jesus sat there and he wondered for a little while. He <laughs> automatically said, that's not in my authority. My authority has been laid down right. so that I can properly live in his name right. to make his glory known. Right. Because when I glorify him, he glorifies me because we are the kingdom. Right. And I've come into the world to bring all things together, both visible and invisible. Right. When, when you hear those scriptures, they sound so good. Yeah. Right. But what does it mean? Right. You can start falling in love with it to where that's what you actually pursue. Right. And that's, it, it, it's, a, it's a shift or it's a, a maturity level that you get to inside of your faith. And I'm not saying you can understand what I'm talking about without doing it. Right. And I'm not saying the doing is what's going to do it. It's just going to give you enough failures and faithfulness for you to fall in love with it properly. Mm-hmm. But it's it and and then you see the whole attack is trying to distract you and entertain you away from that and you're like, "Well, what look at the kids. They're all about entertainment." That is more to trap the church than it is the lost. Lost are already lost. <laughs> yeah. But the church is getting weaker and weaker because they've become more and more like the culture and they've been sucked into the distraction, into the entertainment, into the secularization. Right. And the the church has got to get better at putting in front of the congregation what we're losing and why it's so beautiful and why it's so important. And that gets back into, I mean, when we get to the 66 and 84 books, I mean, the theology of Jesus was not our theology. Right, yeah. The relationship of Jesus is not the relationship that we have. And then, yeah, and then once again, you have people say, well, I send my kids to Christian school, and this isn't what they're teaching them. And well, I'm telling you right now, it is what it's been turned into, but it does not have the power. Because all you got to do is look around. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's. The, the the condition of where we are is made evident by what is actually going on. I mean, that's I mean that's the easiest way to to see it. I mean, we're literally entering into an age now where the world is literally the fulfillment of woe to those who call good evil and evil good. I mean, we're we're literally looking at that now to the point that I liked C.S. Lewis's point about marriage, and he was saying that you know, as far as same sex marriages and stuff like that. Let them have it. Let them have that. But also, at this you can't point, take it away from them. But at the same time, too, why why are we not, as a church, throwing in the idea that marriage is a thing that it's God's design that He constructed? How come we don't have people who come together and say, "No, we want to recognize our marriage union as one with God and between the two of us to become that one that one flesh." So now we have people who are willfully saying. We want to be identified as a marriage inside of the way that God designed it. And I'm not really opposed to that because at least at least then you're entering into something that you actually believe instead of just having a secular culture come and take something that was meant to be sacred and make it secular. But by by the end of it, all you're doing is flipping it around and turning it on their own head and saying, well, you took this and said that this is supposed to be the normal way. How come I can't take it and identify it the way that we see fit with the way that we believe? Why would you have any objections to that when literally you were saying the whole entire time that you should be able to do the same thing that we're doing, even though you don't believe like we do? That was an interesting idea. Objective truth is something that's true for everyone, whether they agree with it or not. Yeah. 
The Greek word is to unhide, to hide nothing. Right. It's always open and it's always available to see. Right. So who's the arbiter of truth? God. And God said, everything's still right where I want it. No. Interesting. All the cycles still work. Yep. The planets are where they're supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Meteor hadn't hit us. The sun hadn't burned us up. Uh, your body is, all the systems are still working the way they were created to work. The yep. rain cycle is working the way it's created to work. Animals still doing what they're supposed to be doing. So m- my truth is unhidden and it's proclaiming me everywhere that I go. Yep. But the reason you got this anxious heart and this demanding spirit is you're not watching the birds and the, in the, in the, the flowers, you're right. trying to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. Right. And you're trying to take this authoritative way they should do it. Right. And here's the thing. You're either a secular dark vacuum of chaos mm-hmm. or you have order and fulfillment even though it's already not yet so it's already been assured and it's changing but you're not there yet correct and it's either or right so it doesn't matter what you do with marriage right if it's two unbelievers mm-hmm. or unequally yoked yeah that's the warning Right. Is it's never going to be about the right design. It's never going to be sacred. It's going to have the sacred design, but it's not going to be lived out and experienced the way that it was designed because you don't have two hearts that are in that right relationship. Well, it has the sacred title, but it doesn't have the sacred obedience to it. So it's a fact without experience, right? which means a lie. <laughs> it's not the truth. <laughs> yeah. For it to be true, it has to be God's design in both your experience and your heart. Okay, and the mind is the understanding of those three things being brought together that's, yeah, that's in right relationship. Yeah. If you lose one, you lose, lose them all. all. Yeah. So ultimately, why are you fighting over what people are doing with what God has made known? Right. Like marriage is any different than anything else in your life. Your whole life is a representation of who and whose you are, and you're either living in the truth or you're living in the lie. Right. But we've exchanged the truth for a lie because we worship the creature instead of the creator. And mm-hmm. ultimately, when you look at what people are suffering with, number one, you are too. Yeah. So stop. So, so I mean, it, <laughs> as a full-blown believer in everything that God has done by the grace and the love that I don't deserve, right. I'm still somewhere along that track. Yeah. Can't point at something that I'm not struggling with myself. That's what gets you the the slow to speak and the contrite and the, and, and, and the right spirit of, right. of, of relating mm-hmm. however my performance is not what it hinges on it hinges on his objective word which is not mine and when i look to him he says come on yeah pursue me yeah so then i'm trying to give you what i'm holding on to and right. when you abuse it or don't care or use it in the wrong way okay, I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. <laughs> right. And you keep doing what you're going to do. Yeah. And the consistency of his truth is going to break your heart mm-hmm. the same way he breaks mine mm-hmm. to where over in Romans it says, uh, due to their ungodliness, yeah. the wrath of God is revealed for the suppression of the unrighteousness and ungodliness. So right. in other words, the fact that they are without God mm-hmm. and the fact that they're without the right relationship, yeah. they have to bury the truth. They have to suppress it, yeah. And, and, and that takes their effort, that takes oh, their yeah. mind, that takes the fact that they're spiritually already empty. and takes everything all three of them. Yes, and, and they're trying to pack it all <laughs> into something that'll never, ever be satisfied, never, ever have fulfillment, never. It, it, it is the kingdom of darkness. And 
But that's but that's also the manifestation of that, though, mm-hmm. the suppressing it and taking more in. That's why they continue to go to these other avenues and start trying to suck all that into it. And then eventually, even when they get their way, by the end of the day, they're still suppressing it, still pushing it down. So what do they have to do? Instead of dealing with it, they have to go on to the next subject that they have to continue to take on and and suck the life out of to suppress and it's that's why it's never going to be in it's, it'll be never ending it'll just, it's just constant it's constant it's constant chaos and it's comp- constant emptiness in a vacuum i mean that's what it is like that's the consistency the consistency is in your actions it's never enough it's never enough and you just won't say that you'll say no 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 when it gets to so and so then it'll be enough and it's like well then how come how that why hasn't that happened because you're you're literally doing what I'm, what I'm explaining to you and now you're telling me no that's not true <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> sure and, and to put that in front of our youth in a way that they can originally wrap their mind around it is okay so a new phone comes out every year yeah and they change maybe one or two little features but it's the new one right and then every three or four years, they slow it down so much that you have to get a new one. Yep. But when you get a new phone, you feel important. Absolutely. Uh, new car, new whatever. Oh, now, yeah. three years later, that new car is just, I wash it when it rains. Yeah. Duh. The phone is only cool as long as it's cool, as long as it's new. As long as it's in, yeah. All right. So that emptiness and that chaos and that I need something new to make me feel distracted enough to not worry about what's really wrong inside of me. I can live on the surface and inside of our individualistic Western Western, materialistic world, we have the ability to run for a long time. Oh yeah. You sit in front of a youth and you say, okay, but what I need you to see is if you already are struggling with what this world means and you're growing up and you don't know what you're going to do with your life yet, and you've got these life questions that are there and we have to come up with an answer with, you're already saying that in your mind, you've got a disconnect with your, your, what, the material world, what you're going to do in this world. And I'm proposing that none of it's going to come together until you first figure out whose you are for eternity and then apply that into what you're doing in this world with the way that you approach it in your mind with that relationship. Here's the advantage or disadvantage, however you want to play it. Let's take transgender and we say, okay, now you're already struggling in your mind about what you're going to do with your body. Right. But there's this new thing I can do and I can be transgender. And even though I'm struggling with maybe I am attracted to males because Mm -hmm. that's become something that people are putting in front of you at a young enough age to where you're entertaining ideas that people have put in front of you. Right. Without that argument, that's where you are. Right. And then you start to have these ideas. Now, I can start to do new things to my flesh Mm -hmm. to meet my confusion, but it's just going to grow and multiply in confusion because now you've changed the body that was designed by God by the thoughts of your mind that has been now manipulated by others without the identity in God, without God having a say-so. Right. And then when you start to be transgender, you will never be male or female again. You will always be in transition. You'll never be a woman and you'll never return to being a man because you've started to actually corrupt the body the same way the mind has been corrupted through the spirit of the age, which is the false God. Right. So you're either going to listen to this spirit of information that you've received, Mm -hmm. or you're going to listen to the spirit of the information 
in the scripture, which is called the Holy Spirit. But one of them is going to pull you into what do you do with your body? What was it created for by the one that created it? Right. Without having to manipulate it or destroy it, without having to. So in that comparison, at least kids are smart nowadays. I mean, oh, yeah. they, they, real smart. They, they, they are smart enough to handle conversations we weren't at that age. But the conversations aren't being had because we don't have people that are equipped or able to do it. Right. Because they're playing Xbox. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, yeah. it, there is a breakdown in the family. There's a breakdown in the understanding of the spirit of God. And, and until we correct it in the church, you're not going to correct it outside of the church. Absolutely. So those that are coming to your local church, I, I pray that God and his spirit continues to pull people into the theology of the Old Testament, what Jesus Christ was actually saying right. versus the the trying to make God fit in this world instead of saying this world is broken because it doesn't have enough God in it. Right. And I mean, rant or rave or whatever. I, you know, so are you familiar with Soren Kierkegaard? No. Do, do you have another question? Cause I could probably wrap what I'm going to read into whatever question you ask. <laughs> I was going to say, um, the one thing that I was, well, I think we kind of covered it. So, but I'll read that. I had the question anyway. It says, does the truth depend upon our agreement? And other, you know, in which we, we've already said by no. definition, no, no, no. which I, I kind of knew the answer to and, that. But. Unless you believe you're the arbiter of truth and that you're the authority, which right. then is the God issue. Yeah. Well, that's what I was, but that's what I was getting at. What I was getting at is that that's the either or there that you're doing. It's like either he's God or your God. So at least say that. And I mean, say one and you know, you got some people that are bold enough to say it and I just, there, I don't, I can't do the cringe videos. You know, they're the big, you know, thing on the internet and all that stuff. But I was like, there's nothing that makes me cringe more than a finite human being saying that they are godlike. I'm just, I'm just like, oh. I mean, well, not even godlike, god. Period. Like when they take on the full title and name, I'm just like, bro, come on, you know, you're not even close. Like you're not even, even if you could, even if you could imagine one. For you to have the audacity to say that you stack up to that is crazy to me. Um, but I have, as believers, we submit to God's truth as the only truth, but how does this help help us with proclaiming God's truth among professing believers? And this is where we get into the interpretation of truth versus us being where we are and laying the Bible on the table. I think we kind of went over, went over that as well. We, we we did like four of the questions that I had inside the conversation. Amen. And and I guess the clear answer to tie into what's already been said is if you're a part of the local body, uh-huh. you have no... I understand it's, in Corinthians it says that we have no reason to judge those outside, but we mm-hmm. should judge those inside, and that's because we're going to do it in right relationships. So it gets right. back to right relationships. So you're not going to judge against someone. You're going to judge for someone, discern, basically. Yeah. But the word is judge there in the, in the Scripture. And, and, and what he's saying there is you would look at the speck in their eye as you know the log is in yours. Right. But it doesn't say so that you won't tell or anybody or minister. You're still going to minister. You're just going to minister in and with your weaknesses instead of exasperating theirs. Right. With that said, 
if you have believers that are coming around and they're saying, what does that scripture mean to you? At least they're reading the scripture. At yeah. least they're at well, church amen, because yeah. God loves them. And, right. and, and you have these things that are now not where you are in the conversation, and they're over here in the conversation. Right. And what they need, like Paul says, is, hey, be imitators of me the way that I imitate Christ. Right. And I'm so busy doing that yeah. <laughs> that it's an invitation. And if you don't want to come, then that's going to be your loss. But I wish I could take what's failing in the cross in your life if you'd come with me. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, good. So then two by two, we get sent out, and right. no matter what we do in the lost, it's going to be us growing together, and that's the experiential side. That's the discipleship side. That's right. the what we've lost because all of our world is individualistic and materialistic. So you yeah. go to work, and you make your money for your family, and then right. you go home, and then you do what you do at the house, and then you repeat that. And then you come to church. It's like, we're community. <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> It, it it's a disconnect in the culture that right. you are going to have to attack if you're going to change. Right. You are going to have to willfully make those choices to be not like the world. Yeah. In the world, but not of the world. Right. I'm of the kingdom of God, and I'm going to become relational. I'm going to become communal. I'm going to start doing these things in experience, and that's where the truth will start to integrate. But if there's a believer that doesn't see it that way, lead them in love to be like you and then you do it in front of them. Right. And, and if that doesn't change them, I promise there wasn't any like, let's talk and have a conversation. And then they're like, I see it. I see it. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> it, it, but if they do see you and hear, you know, hear three or four or five of you start a ministry at the prison and then come back and they hear the life of the people that are being changed that they know because they're going. Right. That's how we do that part. Well, that's the. I think that's where you were talking about the consistency. There is what is what the actual difference maker is. Where they're just, they'll kind of take away from it. Well, that was an interesting conversation, or that was a waste of a conversation. Whichever one it may be, there they will continue to observe you, and as you are consistent, they will find their inconsistency inside of the conversation, maybe, or they will see that they'll at least see a difference between you and you, you and them. And then it, then it enters into you've opened the door to another conversation now because now they're curious they're curious again they have new questions because they've already had the conversation with you but they're like but there's this thing that's different is that you're consistent inside of what you inside of how you carry yourself how you act how you believe and all of those things there's a there's a diff, there's a difference and there's a disconnect from the last time that I see now that I didn't see previously I mean. Maybe, but at least it opens the door to be able to continue the conversation because you're not doing it. You're not doing these things to point out to them, to make them feel bad, to make them feel small or, or belittle them or anything like that. You're doing it because you, I don't know, actually believe it. And if you actually believed it, you would be doing it. Right. So in the word consistency, like we said, there's religious people and there's believers. Right. Religious people will consistently be consistent. They, yes. they will consistently have conversations with you, and they'll consistently tell you what you're not doing right, and they'll Correct. consistently tell you what they're do, what they found in the Bible, and yeah. they'll, they'll consistently have this mental conversation. Yes, but they will not live it out. Yeah, <laughs> they will not. You go on the mission field, and you see people living out their faith because of the situation and the place that you find them, mm -hmm. but they don't know everything that you know. Right. Great. Have the conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's not our problem. Right. Our problem is we know everything and we'll talk about it all day long. Don't do it. But nobody's doing it. Right. And it has to be us and we doing it. So you put me in coach. The I, I, Hey, I read the 
the harvest is white and the workers are few, but I don't know how to get on the field because I don't have an active body that's missional minded that I can plug into. I can go to church and they can tell me everything that they, I mean, and it's like, okay, amen. I agree. Right. Everybody feels safe. Yay. Let's go home. And then you go home and then you're in the regular world (laughs) and you don't know how to act different. Right. So down in a country that doesn't have the mind of entitlement and distraction and right. entertainment. Yeah. Oh man, they're living it out. Oh, absolutely. And they want to know more, but they don't because that's not where they live. Right. And then you come up here. Oh, we know everything. Yep. Now we don't do it, but we, but, know, it. But we know it and we can tell you about it and we can sit down and we yeah. can point to it. And man, you know, we, yeah, ready team break. Hi, ha, ha, ha. And, and, and <laughs> back at the house, watching sports. You know, it, it's just like, it, yep, yeah. Did you go to church? Yep. Sure did. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but there's a disconnect. Well, yeah. what is it a disconnect from your life experience from the ability to know and be known right. because of God, Yeah, you know, the relationship of God, right. they're down there living out their life in their relationship with God, but they don't know as much. Right. We're up here. If you're a believer living your relationship with God, <laughs> being called to do it. Yeah. Find. Find a place to start. And I'll tell you right now. So God says, don't lay up treasures here on earth. Right. Lay them up in heaven. All right. And then if you lay where the treasure is, your heart will be also. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know what's in your heart, Uh look at what you treasure. Uh Right. If you were like to watch a cartoon right now. Yeah. And you were going to look for treasure on like Looney Tunes. Mm -hmm. What would be, what would mark the spot? X. All right. So. Here's your X marks the spot, Romans 12, 1 through 2, 1, 1 through 2, yeah. where it says, hey, brothers and sisters, those that are inside of the, the relationship, uh-huh. I'm urging you, I am like trying to shake you out of your sleep yeah. to offer your life, uh-oh, that's your experience, Oh no, as a living sacrifice for God and others, oh, no. uh, greatest commandment, and the second one too. <laughs> which is your reasonable act of spiritual worship, worship, which, yeah. oh my goodness, now the spirit's working too, and it's working in my life. And it's because I'm lining up with the first and second great commandment so that you'd be able to discern, uh Oh, no longer conforming to the patterns of this world. And that would be my thinking <laughs> so that you can discern the will of God yeah. because you're in love with them and you're actually living it out. And yeah. it starts to integrate yeah. and then truth and love and spirit and flesh they wage war because they're different tensions, right? But they're pulling you all in one door. Yeah. They're, they're they're pulling you home. They're they're pulling you but into in, Christ. Yeah, but in right relationship, you see the need for all three of yes. them, and the, the lack of you being able to do any of the three. But right. the fact he's done all three for you to be able to continue to depend on him and fall in love with him right. as he pulls you home. Yeah, which is instead of being distracted, it's to actually be focused, and yeah. and so. Well, it kind of goes back to the, I was looking, I was looking at books that were recommended that every, you know, Christian should read. It was like 25 of them. There was one of them that was titled, what is a, what is a good church member or something like that? Uh, I can't remember the name of the title of it, but the book was basically talking about how this idea that bishops, deacons, elders, or a pastor are the ones that are supposed to be. Uh, going out to visit the sick, taking care of the widows and the orphans, and they're basically supposed to do all of the work. And this book actually combats that idea and says that 
no, 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 no. This is not, it's not just about knowing what you're supposed to do and go, oh, I know I'm supposed to do that. And I mean, I believe that we should do that, but I don't do it. I mean, and that's, and it's, it's combating this idea that you're not supposed to come to church and be a, just a passive member. You're supposed to be an active participant in what's going on. It's supposed to be just as real in your life as it is in, in the guy in the standing in the pulpit or the guy who goes to the meetings and talks about what, what the church's goals are going to be for the year or whatever that is. It's not something where you're sitting on the in the bleachers. You're supposed to be in the dugout getting a part of the plan, too, to go out onto the field to actually play your position, to do your role. And when you get a line drive, or you get, or the shortstop misses something. Yeah, you need to be out there in center field getting your brothers back. I mean, this is the whole the whole idea. This is where it gets back into the communal aspect to put this idea that ten people are supposed to look after two hundred people is that's too much for anybody. I mean, it's just like inside of the family. If I am not helping my wife with our three kids. Uh, duh, she's going to be overwhelmed pretty, pretty quick. You know, like my wife relies on me to help come and at least run, you know, zone coverage on the girls or, or man to man with Maverick, you know, one of the two and, and, and the dog. I mean, there's a lot going on for me to just look at her and be like, you know, you really should kind of tighten up what you're doing because I see this, this, and this, and this, and this, I'm not willing to help you, but I'm willing to tell you what you should be doing versus saying, Hey honey, what can I do to help make this situation better or anything like that those are two totally different things the invitation there is totally different because one of them is me coming in with a with the authority position saying you should do this because this is what i see versus saying let's do this together what do you think is going to be more enticing to someone who is in need of help and wants to wants to be better obviously the hey let me walk with you i mean i don't know what person who needs help and then somebody's like, hey, do you need help with that? Like trying to move a couch by themselves. And they're like, no, nope, it's good. I got it. I like struggling. I like I like trying to figure out how to do this. And possibly hurting myself is way more entertaining than having you pick up the other end of the couch and knock, and knock this thing out in two minutes. I mean, I just don't. It's interesting to me. And when you start putting it in front of people, they you kind of you kind of see the weight sort of come on them a little bit. And they're like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess kind of true. But, you know. They're reluctant to agree with it, but at the same time, too, when something happens and they want, then they, then all of a sudden they want people to come help them. And it's so different instead of being ready to be the hands and feet of Christ at any moment that a brother or sister asks for it, even the people that are outside of the church and helping them. When you look inside of church history, that was one of the biggest things that actually gave the Christian movement more power was there were families that couldn't bury their dead and people from the, in the, Christians were coming and saying, hey, we'll help you do that. We'll get the money to bury your loved one. And that act of love, that act of service for loving God and loving others actually helped the church grow. But we have gotten so far removed from that because it's gone to, we have been so preoccupied with battling in the intellectual sphere that we are losing all kinds of opportunities because we'd rather sit down over coffee and have an intellectual debate instead of getting our hands dirty and actually making a difference in other people's lives. Okay, so that sounds like a great book, Mick. <laughs> uh, so how are you going to do it? Well, you know, by sucking at it a lot first and then getting better at it. And how are you going to do the process of sucking at it and then getting better? By doing it. All right, because there was a few comments that, and we should be ready to be the hands and feet in, uh, of Christ. How about we just are? 
already oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in action as well, the right. hands and feet of Christ because it's still getting back to man. I read this great book and man, I had this conversation. I didn't read and it, I was but... well, I'm just saying that it, it's available. Yeah, right. And and the premise that I'm driving back to is it gets back to we love to talk about something that brings us into the thoughts of the kingdom of heaven. Right. But it costs time. Right. And you have to do it. Right. And those are the two big costs because you can't replace time. And we already are already are so low on the amount of time that it takes to do the life that we're living already uh-huh. that you're going to have to sacrifice some of your life, which is your reasonable act of spiritual worship to have the time right. to then actually do it. Right. So then I'm at church mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be about the deacons and it shouldn't be about the pastor. Mm-hmm. How do you change that? And it's by you praying to God with something that he's laid on your heart that you're going to do as a ministry, grab two or three brothers and sisters or, you know, whoever it is that he lays on your heart. Right. Ask them if they want to be part of doing it. Right. And then you have to do it. Mm-hmm. But once you start to replace the argument or the idea with the going and the doing, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it is that next step of falling in love with, he actually is using us, and we did actually have a, a household that doesn't have everything that I take for granted. And even with what I sacrificed, we have 10 times more than they'll ever have. Right. And he put me in a situation where I got to love on them, and then they started asking me questions, and I got to share instead of convince right. someone yeah, a, yeah. about who we are. And it God. God calls us to minister with our life just as much for us, you know, love others as yourself. You will find a new value of yourself as you are applying it. Right. But the cost is the time yep. and the doing it. In other words, right. like the, the, the actual obedience of the, because the, I don't, hands down with ministry, it'll be great for a month. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on fire. Oh, Everything's yeah, going yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. And that Tuesday night and then, Man, everything that is good in life happens on Tuesday night all of a sudden, and I, right. and I can't be part of that, right? Because I'm doing this. But once you fall in love with it, you'll find other things that you can give away because of how m- much it affects your heart and your mind and others, right? And and you start to realize the communal side of it mm-hmm. is you know you can you can stay locked inside of your cycle, but in the end. The, the value of the body of Christ versus just your flesh and blood family is it's made up of families. Right. So if it's just your family, when it fails, it's all you. Right. If it's the body of families, then when you fail, it's you have others. Yeah. The bigger the story gets, the more beautiful it becomes and unless it weighs right. because it's not all off of just what you do. Right. Now it may start and hinge off of just what you do. Cause somebody has to be that trend center. Somebody has to step out in faith. Somebody right. has to be the first foot. Mm-hmm. But the goal after you start going with those that are willing to, in the beginning is to then have others imitate you falling in love with what's going on and right. trusting God that he's going to then steward you into stewarding others as we go. Right. Because it was never just about, 
Well, you know, mixed ministry down there. It's making a big difference. <laughs> you know, that Mick, he's pretty on fire. And, and because then it can, it can do the opposite. It can grow to pride. It can grow to, you know, so. Yeah, there's a danger in it. There's, there's always going to be that temptation and danger. Yeah. However, um, if you, the goal with a digital platform of church, whether it be the podcast, whether it be coming alongside not any denomination, but all churches in a geographical area around Cedar Creek, my vision would be Cedar Creek to be a brick and mortar missional minded body of believers that are already going. So when you visit through the digital window, mm -hmm. we say, man, we're doing this over here and this over here and this over here. And all we're trying to do is not give you consumer Christianity. Right. We want you to be part of a living body instead of going home and Netflix binging. Right. You could actually make an impact growing food in a garden that we get to partake of and yes. then give to people that don't have or, yeah. or, or whatever that looks like as we're going, because that gets back to, it's not my vision, it's God's design. Right. But the more people you bring together, the better that design is going to get because the more hands enables you to do a different vision because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it does matter how many, you know, how many resources you have. Right. But the church has got to start being the church again. The church has got to find a way that at the time that they were burying people, they had a need because they had people that weren't being buried. Right. What is the need today that Christians could walk into, whether it be a secular need right. to then grow in friendships, to have the conversations, right. but to marry it with, with actual loving experience right. is, is both what we're hungry and thirsty for as the body of Christ and what others are not seeing out of the body of Christ. Right. Cause we'll talk to you about it all day long and yeah, we'll give absolutely. you books to read. And, and right. I mean, we can intellectually have this, Oh, what do you think about truth? What do you, but until it becomes the truth right. that we, we actually live and believe and think on as we are going, right. we are missing out just like we would hope others would fall in love with. Right. Well, and, but like I said, like in my little monologue rant there, I was basically more or less saying that I'm 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 challenged the mm -hmm. challenging the intellectual side of it and saying that like the yeah, but like why aren't we? Like right. that's what I'm saying. Like if we know it, then why aren't we? Like that's the problem that we arrive we arrive to. Why aren't we? <laughs> I mean, so but until the question's posed and raised, there's a lot of people that won't ask the question because then they're gonna go. Crap! Now I gotta go. Now I gotta do right because because and once you realize that, then it's darn it. But a lot of these ministries at the same time too. That's going, praying, finding the people that you need to go with, going for that short little while, having more people come into it, having that ministry be able to operate without you because then it's not about you; it's about the design, and that's the whole thing. So then you're removing you're removing the temptation of making it about you right. and the whole ministry stand, stands on you. Yeah. There is a practical way to mm -hmm. do it. The problem is, is that when things become successful, people don't want to step away from them and have them sustain themselves. They want to continue to stay in the limelight because look at this wonderful thing that I built when really, um, no, not, not you. But the good news is if you're, if, if it's really hard and it's bad, everybody will quit on you. So you yeah. don't, you won't really get to that point. But yes. So, so on the beginning, it, you know, it, it, it's both and. Right, right, right. Uh, well, they can go one or, either way. Inside of the Old Testament, once again, the answers are Jesus pointed to the Old Testament. Right. He didn't say anything about the New Testament. No, he didn't. You know? Okay, so Jesus points back to the Old Testament and says, hey, if you would start moving, I'll establish my plans. But you've got to get moving right? because you don't even know the questions for me to answer right now 
because you're not actively moving. Well, I, I think it's interesting because even if you get down to the point, eventually it could turn into, hey, I want to sit down and I want to talk with you. And it's like, well, I've got things to do today. Just come and spend some time with come me. Come with me, right. And as we go, we'll we'll talk as we go. As I'm in the car ride there. And then when we get there and we're, say we're moving tables or whatever, we can have all these different conversations while we're actually doing it. And then, then you find it's like, Oh, okay. So you're being challenged there while you're doing it. You're bringing them together, like you said, instead of. And it's relational. Yeah. Because I'm not sitting down and telling you everything that you need to hear right. as I tell you from this position of my all wisdom <laughs> knowing. Right. It, it is, hey, man, I'm going to go move some tables. Yeah. Can you help me? Yeah. So now they're just as valuable to yep. the relationship. Yep. They have purpose and yep. meaning. And as you're talking about the questions, yep. it's not coming at a. Let's sit down and mentally spar. It's as you're going. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, have you ever thought about this? And oh, man, I'll tell you what, when we get in the car and we got a little bit of ride time, I'd rather be able to sit and think about that part of it. Right. But right now we're doing this and it's a day spent together right. doing something for others, yeah. talking about God as you're going. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Pretty sure that's the way that Jesus sent the disciples out. I can mm. swear that I read that somewhere. <sighs> It's a weakness inside of yeah. the structure that we've gotten used to, but the structure is over time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Eric, it's like 12 on one. You got to shut down yet? I mean, from now on, <laughs> it, it's, it's everything in our culture is about time. Right. And the obedience is going to be necessary to sacrifice the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. So I was going to, let's, let's skip on down here. So, I want to get into the application side of this now that we've kind of addressed the church and what we what we propose, I guess, inside of this that we may have been looking or overlooked inside of that. My next question would be, what will help the church survive the uprising of the My, my Truth movement slash ideology? Um, don't care. <laughs> don't care. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing about it is, if it's if they're living in my truth, <laughs> don't care. I mean, why why be distracted by something you're not going to change? And if they're absolutely immersed in the my truth, right? It's a closed door anyway. Yeah. Um. Now you should be consistent because that happens to be part of the truth. Yes. You should be on mission with those that'll come, and that invitation should be made broadcast at multiple times to people that are closed minded. They, right. There's nothing wrong with inviting right but as far as like investing and trying to you know argue your way into it or come up with the right words to be able to right. break down we break down spiritual strongholds yes to those that will listen <laughs> <laughs> if, if 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 they're if they're really in love and have dedicated themselves to this ideology right you're gonna have to consistently be something a different option mm -hmm. while the truth of god and Satan has his way in this kingdom, right. and they have to keep slamming into the truth of God. Because no matter what, I'll tell you what, you think you're God? Cool. On Monday, go in, go to the lead supervisor, and just smack him. <laughs> See what happens. I don't think your truth is going to be able to hold up to the objective truth of what happens next. <laughs> well, that's a neo example, but right. the people that believe that they can change the outer world are constantly running into the truth that they can't. Right. In big ways, small ways, in every way. Mm -hmm. So let them let them have their argument beat them down. Yeah, I, you you don't have to have any part of that. And what they need to see is someone that consistently has joy, that consistently invites them into doing things that aren't 
always slamming against them. Yeah. And when they come down to the end of themselves, hopefully they'll come and ask questions. Always be aware of someone that is that diabolically against you. Right. If they start asking questions, that's when you should perk up. Yeah. You know, because in other words, they, if they start like, I mean, it doesn't have to be like, hey, Eric, I know that you're like the sensei. And you tell you know, what what I'm saying is, is, and you know, the other day when you said such and such. Yeah. So it's still anti. It's not, don't, don't yeah. wait for them to be like, I think I need your help. What I'm saying is. They're entertaining it more. When they, yes. When they don't have the absolute shutdown, I'm, I'm fine, I'm secure. Yeah. Be very aware of people that have that. Don't try and push through it because you don't have the ability to. Right. And you're testing the spirit for which they're standing for without losing yours. Right. And love them at that, 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 that meeting place. Right. But when they start to ask questions in any form or fashion, mm -hmm. then perk up and, and, and realize words matter and they wouldn't be asking unless there's something behind why they're asking you. Right. And it, these are those questions that come in with, man, you know, I don't believe this, but my buddy, he was saying the other day, <laughs> those type of questions right. and, and, and love them where they are at, answer the question the best you can and make sure that they see you not lose your joy, that you have your assurance and that you can tell the stories around them of what you and the people that are going are getting to see and are getting to be part of and right. how just share who you are for real, like the truth of your experience in the truth of who God is as you're going to where they hear life and they hear change and they hear weakness, but then that weakness being used for strength and Right. Well, they don't see, they see that the weakness isn't crushing you. It's actually encouraging you in some real sense. And right. that's totally polar opposite of what it does to them in their own life. And right. then they're like, okay, so maybe something is different with this, you know, with this guy over here or girl or whatever. I mean, and that's, and that's where it starts to break down because that's them wrestling against their own truth claim. And that's them hitting their head against the wall. And then eventually you go, I tried to tell you before that I'm not, I'm not giving you my truth. I'm giving you the, the truth of God, which is, it's totally different. It's not the same. It's not the same thing. But the only way that we do that is, like you said, through consistency, through doing it. And how I think of like a, it's a hypothetical situation, of course, but how interesting would it be for someone to come and want to have that conversation with you and want to challenge you? And then you basically say, I would love to sit and talk with you, but I have to go and be and do the church if you want to come with me, you know, and I'm, we'll have the conversation while we do this. And then that way they get to actually see you doing these things, you know, see you having that joy that's consistent and all that. And you're saying, it's like, yeah, because it's outside of me. It's not, it's not my joy because I can only be joyful. I cannot be joy. It's something that God has given me that resides in me. It's not something that I'm having to, to sustain on my own, by my own works, basically. And, and what I'm about to say just like starting with the intellectual, it's a lot easier to talk about it. Oh, duh. Be because we're more used to it. That's, I yeah. mean, if the, so when you have time that's before God, and most people that have listened to me, I, I, I take a hot bath because I'm old and I soak there and I ask God how I look <laughs> that day. And, and, and in that time period, that, 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 one of the things that God consistently has always done is, did I miss certain cues? Could I have said something different? And it's that time of, okay, God, how did I look to you? And he'll give me things to say the next day or to approach or to learn. With that said, I don't think you're going to sit down 
and talk anyone out of their faith. No. I think it takes them seeing something that they want to be part of and asking questions. And then when they ask questions, that's when you can actually enter into a teaching moment or a man, this is what I learned over here and this and this and this. Cause bottom line is they don't care yeah. until they know you care. Right. Um, and, or until they have to care. Right. But either one of those is going to lead to them asking you questions. Yeah. Now, if you have a missional minded church and the strength of having a body doing that is once you get where you're going, there's going to be more than you. Oh, yeah. So then it's not like Mick is the answer man and he's trying to, they're trying to make you into Jesus and right. they're trying to pin you down. When you're having this conversation, you're having it in the, the, community you're having it with other people right so you're going to hear different voices that come from different places right and you are one of many versus one-on-one again you know it's almost like a posture of here's this question well here's this answer and here's this question and here's this answer (laughs) yeah but if you ride there and then there's multiple people from different walks of life and you're ministering to people that are hurting and they're seeing hurting people being cared for inside of that relationship you're having that conversation now that's totally different than sit down, tell me your problems, you know? And, and so let me get my notebook, <laughs> lay down so I can, you know, so yeah. it, it, it matters because it's real and that becomes their subjective answer to truth. Right. But in the end of the day, why do you do what you do? And why do you say what you say? Well, mm-hmm. objectively, this is what God has said. This is who God is. This right. is how I know, mm-hmm. but they're asking you those questions that you're answering. Right. And you've, you've been come follow me, come spend time with me was Jesus's approach and it should be ours. Right. But we don't have enough op- We don't have opening running opportunities to plug people into. Right. That they find that value that's worth the time. Right. Um, and we've got, we've got to figure out a way to do it. Oh, and absolutely. So what was the, what was the thing that you were going to say before you asked me about the other questions? Cause I only have, I have the application end question is where okay. we're at now. It was. You asked me if I was familiar with something. I cannot. Soren Kierkegaard and yeah, no. So Soren Kierkegaard is very hard to read. Um, okay. I'm surprised that you you you're you're falling in love with C.S. Lewis. Uh, Tim Keller is a huge C.S. Lewis fan. C.S. Lewis formed a lot of his thir- hunger and thirst through reading C.S. Lewis. Right. Uh, Keller will also break down Soren Kierkegaard, um, 1813 to 1855. Yeah. Um. And it's like three or four paragraphs, but it speaks into this. So the way that I've got it titled, this is my title. The rest of it, I actually ganked off of wherever I was at. So <laughs> example of truth and relational tension was the the premise that I have it here. Okay. And literally somebody else wrote this, but I, I thought that it spoke into the subject matter. It says this subjective truth, which is sometimes mistaken for relative truth, uh-huh. is a philosophical concept normally attributed to the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, who lived in 1813 through 1855. Kierkegaard believed that religious truth is a personal, not an impersonal thing, that it is something we are, not something we have. Kierkegaard acknowledged objective truth as being something outward while believing that subjective truth is something inward. Mm Mm-hmm. The idea is that while objective truths are important, subjective truth can actually be more critical to a person because it involves how a person relates to and accepts those objective truths. So once Mm -hmm. again, he's pulling it into tension. Kierkegaard believes the spiritual truth cannot be just acknowledged. It must be appropriated. And it's not just correspondence, but it's internal commitment. So there's the, it can't just be a mental thing. It has to be a physical thing. 
But to be a physical thing, it has to be mentally understood. Right. For who? For God's name. Now, that's not written in there. That's me. Okay, here's back to what was actually written by somebody else. Religious truth. <laughs> Religious truth is found in a subjective encounter with God and acceptance of his truth by one's own will, not only by an objective understanding with the mind. In other words, a person subjects himself inwardly to the truth. Kierkegaard's subjective truth is especially important today, um, especially yeah, important today's post-truth, post-truth, post-truth culture. I'll there slow it, down. There I'll it slow is. Down. I mean, I, I can't talk as fast as I can read. All right. <laughs> which believes, I try, but I can't, which believes that objective facts are l less important in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal beliefs. Mm -hmm. For many today, feelings and preferences matter more than facts and truth. Their inward beliefs override the outward facts, which they refuse to submit to. Yeah. Post-truth culture will readily acknowledge an objective fact as being true, but because of the conflict it has with their personal preference and political agendas, the objective fact is discounted in some way. Some will ignore the facts, misinterpret the truth, or even spread lies about it in order to move their personal agenda forward. This approach, of course, conflicts with Kinkergaard's subjective truth concept, which by no means dismissed the objective reality in favor of the personal preferences or agenda. So there you have right relation. That's the end of that part. But that's, the, that, that's where you have right relationship. You have wrong relationship uh -huh. you have that in community of god their mind and their body right. flesh spirit and the one that made both all three and yeah. put them together and you actually have a conversation you 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 have a dance of your spirit your flesh and the truth of god the right. person of god the community of god the kingdom of god mm -hmm. to where you're the people of god in your thinking you're the place of god as far as your body being a temple and the presence of god is he's the authority and he reveals to me i don't reveal to him right he happens to be god yeah and and that takes away this weight of you having to be the authority right that the weight of you having to convince other people the, right. the weight of you not being instead of you already are right um so inside of that i just thought that that you know three four paragraphs when i read it i was like well that kind of hits directly on well, it, it does, in the, and it does in the sense that in the rejection of objective truth, that subjective truth has been on the rise, and that's because that is the reality that they live in, and the reason that they can relate to it so much is because it lines up with how they feel. So and that being the case, of course, obviously you're going to cling on to that more than the objective because you can feel indifferent about the objective truth, whereas your subjective truth, you can feel very passionate about it because it's invoked and entangled with feelings and all those and all those things. And that's why I think that there's been such a ready, there's been such a, um, <clears throat> they've just been ready to cling on to that. They wanted somebody else to say it. And then once somebody else said it, they were like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly the way that I feel too. And then now they have been affirmed in their position instead of challenged for their for their growth for the benefit of them and i think that it's just a un like you said it goes back to relationship again it's just an unhealthy relationship unrighteousness and ungodliness yeah i mean this is what it boils down to and when you start because subjectively i can be just as passionate about the objective truth of god absolutely which teaches wide and easy is the way to destruction yes and as we move forward in history politically governmentally globally it is going to be yep. empowering of the self which is a lie yep the 
overabundance of information, which is Babel. Yep. <laughs> to where you then are in a state of confusion, Correct. which we end up with Pontius Pilate and Jesus, what is truth? Right. And as long as that's going to grow, I can sincerely fall in love with the fact that God already told me that was going to happen. Right. If the population has blown up to whatever many, you know, however many billion there are on the earth. Right. And then you look back and it's like, that's not, that's like five, 600 years ago. It wasn't like that. Yeah. So as the population grows, if it says, well, why is the way and easy? It's not surprising that secularism is growing the way oh, that yeah. it is because that is what's going to happen. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a truth claim. It's either true or it's not. And you're the remnant and you're, yep. by grace, able to be here and struggle with God because that's what Israel means. Yes. To struggle with God and yeah. another mankind. So don't be yeah. surprised that, I don't know, it's like right there. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask, what can we take away from this conversation and not tear at the seams of the bride, but build each other up as we grow in our relationship with God? The struggle is what holds us together, and there's plenty of struggle, so we should be pretty tight. Absolutely. You know, and, and the more we get out there and the more you push back against the darkness, the more you're going to feel pulled into what you were created for, which is something only God can do by melding you together and hopefully push the imagination and the distractions away down um to where i mean it's like you see people doing uh, minimalization yeah and they're like I'm, we see all this stuff and our grandparents die away and they've got like tooth you know toothpaste from 1911 and yeah. we, you know you have to hire people to come throw away the, their garbage but oh, yeah it was to them it was their treasure right um because they came from a place that they didn't, didn't have, have anything and now that we've got everything we don't want to have anything and, right. and and we're just foolish that way we go back and forth well the same premise is true in our flesh and our spirit Absolutely. and to swing from to and fro is unhealthy. It's not to, it's not to live in proper tension when right relationship, which is the whole idea of this platform, right? Which is minimalism inside a material world. It's like, Hey, it's not that you can't have things, right. just everything you have should matter. Right. Yeah. You know, if you've got a China set from your grandparents, that's great. Have you ever gotten it out? No. <laughs> yeah. Do you even right. use it for fancy dinners or do you even have fancy dinners? But if you take one plate and put it in a cabinet where you see it each day, you're actually remembering your grandparents and their plate or their, 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 whatever the corningware or whatever it is. You're like you know, honoring their legacy. It or, matters. It's yeah. not just in a box somewhere where you say, oh, that's my, my grandmother's portion. Don't throw, throw that, that away. away. Yeah. Have you ever gotten out of the box? No. <laughs> I, I, okay. So. But the sentiment or, you know, the fact that it has that, that value, cherish that, don't lose that. Yeah. Just make it something that's that. available and it has a purpose to where right. you're not living in fear, holding on to things you don't use. Right. And then carrying all this bondage that just ends up being trash to somebody else. Right. Um, it, well, it's, it's not, nobody's arguing the value of it. Well, what I'm asking you is, is what is the purpose that it serves? That's right. what I'm asking you. There's right. two different questions. All right. And a lot of people, they lump them into the value. It's like, no, because I feel this way about mm -hmm. the thing. And I'm like, okay, I understand. I acknowledge that. Like, well, how, how else do I need to say it? What I'm asking now is step away from that. What's the purpose of it? And then when you look inside of that, that's the healthy relationship. It's like, that's what I'm asking you. Like, that's what I'm trying to challenge you with and present to you and saying that, like, I have to do it too. I'm not saying this is something that right. just you do. And and I'm doing that. Back to your last question was in the body of Christ, how does this pull us together? That's right. the spirit that we need to be encouraging our brothers and sisters is use your stuff as a way to get rid of what used to distract you and bind you. Right. By making the things that you have matter. Right. 
in relationship with God, as you learn how to go through your feelings of not wanting to get rid of it. Right. But if you haven't worn it in a year, it's garbage. <laughs> and I mean, that's me included. I, I, you know, that's everyone, I believe. I've got yeah. shirts that are like, man, I mean, when I cut 25 pounds, I'll be able to put I'm that thing back on. I mean, uh, I, I used to like that shirt. Yep. It's garbage, man. Just get rid of it. You know? <laughs> it, but yet, it sounds funny, but it's one of the most important things you can do because you're doing it in worship, pursuing what right. God would show you in the lesson. Yeah. And it's a place to start. You know, yep. in other words, how do I get in the game? Well, there you go. I there mean, go, go around the house. Everything that you're surrounded with should matter. And the things that don't matter could make a difference in somebody else's life. Absolutely. You know, find a way to, to, to impact people with it. And I, I don't, I don't know if that's like selling it and getting the money and doing something with it or well, whether I, there are things that people can use or I, however. I like the way that you put it with coats, you know, you got three coats and you see somebody walking around in the, in the dead of winter in a t-shirt and it's like, dude, give them the coat. That's what the Bible said. I mean, like, I don't, like, I don't know, like, and especially if you got a coat you hadn't worn in a year that doesn't fit you anymore, you don't think that that person over there could benefit from that, and that would be absolutely serve way more purpose than it just sitting in your closet. And for you to look at it and go, boy, I remember. <laughs> like, I mean, and, like, the way the Bible says it is if you can think about loving God but then see people that are – struggling with things you have extra of and you're not willing to give that away, but you're still going to sit around and think about God. You need to rethink what you think about God. Absolutely. Because I mean, Oh, but what if I give them my nice jacket and they sell it and they buy alcohol? Who cares? Um, yes, this was between you and God. And he said you had four of them and they were cold. That's that. Don't, don't go any further than that. Oh, yeah. You know, I keep failing this EMTB test. That's because it's basic. Well, I mean, and then you study with them and they're like, they, they're really smart. But what it is, is they're reading the basic question and then they're advancing, they're, they're answering, answering with advanced answers. And yeah. of course they have them on there because you're supposed to realize what test you're taking. God's like, <laughs> don't, don't try and figure out how to be God. I just need you to submit to me and actually be my hands and feet. If I say to give it away, give it away. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, if, and, and if you want to take them up on a challenge, you got a fourth coat, I promise, put it in your passenger seat. Yeah. And drive through Athens, you'll be able to give it away. I promise. I'm talking about no time flat, buddy. There'll be somebody on the side of the road that could use that jacket that you know that you need to give to somebody. Yep. And I promise it's not that there's people in need. It's the fact that we've never really just opened our eyes and been encouraged to be part of that. But God will speak through all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. will. well, we thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that you have taken away information that will help help you challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash faithfleshedout. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at faithfleshedout. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email. It is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, that is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us. We love y'all. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. And we're out.